Welcome, everybody, to No Driving Gloves. I, we've got a little contingent of people here today. Uh, I'm going to start off, though, by s- surprising Derek, because we all are diligent listeners to the podcast and saying, we had a couple of illnesses and stuff last week. Derek and I did a last-minute show, and um, while the first part was kind of good, I value your time as listeners. Um, the last part flat stunk, and I was afraid some of you were going to go at the end yeah, and stink for an hour. Oh, God, what did they do to me? I was uh, bleep, 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 bleep. Yeah, that's probably how you would have felt, so... That's why we missed last week. I might edit up a little of the beginning, but it's been a hectic week here at the uh, No Driving Gloves Studios. Uh, new website launched this week. Uh, go ahead and check it out. A little bit simpler, a little bit more colorful than the last one. Little bio on our fill-in host now, Sean, who ironically is still sick from last week. But we're we're hoping to bring you a pretty good show, and we have some, and I probably should tell the guys this, we have some new Patreon levels, and we'll start pushing the Patreon here in a couple of weeks, and the main goal of that is to start generating a little bit of cash so that we can go ahead and start doing the show on video also. I've got to buy another service to do that, and frankly, I don't want to come out of pocket anymore, and <laughs> hopefully... Either my co-hosts or our Patreon subscribers will join in and help us. So, There's a little updates for all the behind-the-scenes stuff here at the uh, old podcast. What are you guys up to? Who do we have tonight, and what are you up to? I like, I like how you threw us under the bus without even talking to us about it. My show. <laughs> I'm good at throwing people under the bus. Get on the bus, Gus. Well, obviously I'm here, and um, Making oh my God, stop! Well, obviously who's I'm um, here. Um, who's um? I'm's I'm's the dog food. Oh, I didn't know dog food could talk. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? So your name is obviously I'm obviously Will's here too. Finally, back from whatever he was doing and not taking this show seriously. Uh, you know, we're not supposed to take the show seriously. It's it's kind of hard to record when you're driving down the road and setting up displays at car shows and actually working. But you wouldn't know anything about that. Those museum people, they're just slackers. It's because I have a job I love. No, it's because I have a job I love. If you have a job you love, you don't work a day in your life. Oh! You just sit behind the desk and I talk love- on the phone and try to give people to give you, like, free Corvettes. I mean, come on. It could be worse and be asking them for free Fords. <laughs> Said the Ford driver. I've got those too. Free Mustangs with four doors. I have to. I have to be nice about that. I mean, I, the I, free I, Mustangs are wrecked from going in the ditch. <laughs> I have to go talk to the Mustang Museum of America next week about a business thing. So I, I no, no criticism of Mustangs this week. <laughs> so. Uh, there was something else I was going to add in. Hmm. Oh, it was a podcast. I'm, st- I'm starting to think we might as well not record this show either because yeah. it's you're just going to have to what's delete the, it. What's the point? What's the point of the pre-show? Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, oh, by to, the way, trying to integrate some stuff here. <laughs> no, this this is just a little John bitch about car podcasts. I have a problem, and I stopped listening to Adam Carolla Carcast because. They created a second podcast and release it on the same RSS feed. And I don't like the other podcasts, so I stopped listening to them both because there's no difference in them. And this week, another podcast that I listened to. Oh, I thought you were going to say you stopped listening because uh, I thought you were going to say you stopped listening because they don't talk about cars and they just sit around and do a pre-show. No. <laughs> well, this is another car one, and they're doing the same thing. I don't particularly care for the new co-host, so I guess I 
have freed up a podcast choice. So if I guess I can find that stuff out. But Derek's antsy to get to this topic. It's what we should have talked about last week. So go ahead, Derek. I'll just be quiet. We can go ahead and talk about cars. Not my fiery bugles here. You didn't. Okay, I guess we're just going to jump right into it then. Not well, even have a little chit chat before. All right, fine. We whatever. I did have chit chat. So, uh, yeah, well, we're. He's got a smug. Well, if you guys would like to talk about it. this, <laughs> I do. If you guys want to talk about this, we don't have to. We can just sit around and talk about nothing all day. Uh, there was an article that John and I both. Oh my God! Do we? Let's not talk about him because I don't think I'd say good things. There's a whole article on him the other day in the Daily Mail about him hanging out in Beverly Hills with his car buddies, which ironically he was recording a podcast when he was hanging out with those car buddies. But go on, you can go ahead and talk, Derek. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Uh, John and I, I think, both saw this maybe about the same time. And uh, there was an article in Auto Week or on AutoWeek.com called Are There Enough? Oh, come on, phone. Jeez. Are There Enough Old Guys Left to Keep Vintage Car Clubs Going? I already have a problem with that because... And I didn't even think of this till I just read it. But why is it? Are there enough old guys? Why isn't it just? Are there enough people left to keep vintage car clubs going? I know a lot of women that are into antique and early cars. I didn't even realize that, but that's kind of offensive, even in the title, just to start off. Well, that's kind of explained in the. Um, not uh, what do you say the. Fifth to last paragraph. You guys don't reach out. To well, yeah, I mean they do. Yeah, they kind of sums it up nicely. Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But you notice she's also part of the club. I didn't gather she because she was the one signing people up. I gathered she was uh, actually part of. Uh, the HCCA, and I didn't... Th- was this article really on the HCCA? I thought it was more on the a- AACA. Oh, HCC. Okay. No, this is about the HCCA Southern California Club. And, yeah, she is she is a member of the HCCA SoCal. So I find it interesting right there alone that there's already some, you know, um, strife, if you will, in their own club with the young members that are in the club already saying that the old people in the club don't interact enough with the young generation that's in the club. And I mean, that is, that is a big problem with, I guess more so probably the early car owners, you know, brass era, horseless carriage, um, things like that. They tend to kind of, I think they have a preconceived notion that the younger generation doesn't care about their cars and doesn't want anything to do with them. Whereas if they'd spend a little time talking to the younger generation about the cars and what's interesting about them, maybe just maybe they could get some younger generation, uh, you know, kids involved in the club because I know quite a few of us that are, well, I don't really want to admit that I'm getting older, but right now, um, let's say still 40 and under, but, uh, you know, I know a lot of guys that are 30 and under and, and ladies 40 and under and 30 and under that are very interested in early cars. And I mean, it's, I think that the title really gives, gives one of the answers when, you know, are there enough and blah, blah, blah. And I think, um, you know, one of the, one of these paragraphs or quotes begins is, no, this hobby won't go on because there's, you know, no, said club member and participant, blah, 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 who who drives a Packard and a Model T. I've found, and it it's resonates a lot, there's a local club that does this, but 
it seems to echo these people don't encourage young people to get into vehicles. These people don't embrace the fact that people are into, you know, cars. You know, we, and I use the example a lot. We all start with cars that we, we like and we mature into other things as we dive deeper and deeper into the hobby. And I can't remember the conversation. Actually, it's, I know where the conversation was and it's on the podcast that I'm now boycotting. That that's the way collecting works. I like the stuff from the the eighties. I think you and you know Derek, you and Will are more nineties era people. You're about ten years younger than me, so the member you know the memories work a little bit better. You're an anomaly though, Derek, with your brass era and your early car interests. But we have to get into the stuff and buy the stuff and fulfill our childhood dreams. We can't jump in and fill great-grandpa's childhood dreams first. And that's what these people want us to do or they want the young people to do is when you turn, you know, 22, you show up at one of these meets and show up in a pre-1915 whatever. Uh, you know, they uh, what is it? The CCA just recently increased their age, our cars from 15 to 32. So anything 32 or earlier is available um, or can be, you can be a member. It's going to take a few years. No, I think that was the HCCA. HCCA? What did I say? AACA? Or? I'm pretty sure it was horseless carriage. That, yeah. yeah, horseless carriage up their time yeah. frame. Yeah, so they're, um, you know, the thing, things are getting adjusted to a little bit newer cars. And I, I had a conversation just this week about the AA, AACA. Antique automobile. Yeah. That, um, you know, a group was saying, hey, we have this parking lot. We get together on this day. No more new cars. We're tired of people coming into our event in brand new cars or newer cars. And I defended him. A couple people, even the leader of the one club that was posting about this, was kind of defending them. But, you know, they pay for the area. They cover the insurance. This is the agreement they have. And their club bylaws is the car has to be 25 years or older. Now, I did throw out that go ahead and show up in your, you know, 1994 Neon or your 1994 Caravan and see if they still let you in. But at least you're playing by their rules. And and that's my point is those people still aren't going to embrace the stuff I like. If I pulled up in an, I don't know if I could pull up in an 89 CRX, but they, you know, if I pulled up in say, a Dodge Omni GLHS, I'm still going to get shunned because it's not a 60s or a 50s era car. It's not an antique to the majority of the club people. And it's a matter of, I think, the young people forcing their way in and eventually we'll get there. Well, it's also what they can afford. And, you know, it's, I'm, I'm with Derek. It's almost offensive because... There are young people that are into cars. It may not be, you know, a 1910 Maxwell that they're into, but they may be into S10 pickup trucks and bagging and body dropping them, as they call it. And the the truck community has huge clubs. And eventually those guys, you know, they're going to wind up with a, you know, a 72 C10 or, a, you know, a 40, what, 47 through 53 Chevrolet truck or, you know, they're going to wind up with older vehicles because it just kind of seems to, you know, migrate that way with, with, with how much money you make. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's tough to, to afford a, 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 an antique car they're expensive and not everybody can afford it but a lot of people love them so i'm going to throw this out there and i'll let you see if you can defend it and if not then i'll defend it i can buy a we might have lost Derek. i can buy a no i'm still here okay i can say i can take a uh 
S10 or your square body Chevy, I buy one of those for 20 grand. I can also go out and buy a 1919 Model T for 15 to 20 grand and have a really nice Model T. So the money's the same. That it better be a really nice Model T. <laughs> so the money's the same. If not, as Derek just kind of alluded to, and really I'm on the high, high, high end of the market. It's maybe not, it's not, it, you know, I can see the club member saying, well, you know, geez, you got 20 grand into this. You could have 20 grand into what I drive. Where I see the defense is I can still drive, say, a square-bodied Chevy or an airbagged S10 or something almost daily. I can drive that to work. I don't need two cars, with the exception of two or three people in this country, and I think Derek knows every single one of them. You can't drive a Model T daily, uh, or it, real, realistically. Yeah, you can. Uh, another, another defense to that are, yeah, you is can. you're catching the C10s, the square bodies, on their way up in value, where a Model T... I don't foresee them getting any more valuable. They are what they are. It seems like they're just, they're, they're, they've been the same for years. So, you know, it, it's an investment as well. And then what you just said backs up this article we're talking about. You know, the, the new stuff's getting more valuable because there's a demand. The old stuff... There's less of a demand, so it's getting le- uh, it's getting more and more inexpensive. So are there enough people to keep this hobby going? Because when it comes down to it, if Model T's drop to three or four thousand dollars, is it worth the money for ten thousand people to still collect them and have to put two or three thousand dollars in them per year to keep them going? They'll start being an attrition, and the cars will start going away. Um, this one's, I think, more alluding to the car clubs, but if you don't have the members, or if you don't have the cars, you can't have the clubs. You know. and... Well, evolution sucks, people. <laughs> you know, and if, you know, you, you can't, yeah, you, you can help change the world, but you're not going to change the world. Well, I'm saying, I'm saying, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> and all right, fine. You know, you're both. It is, no. it, it is what <laughs> I'll go is. ahead. How's that? And shut up. Will. I'm, I'm already going ahead. Big boy. Shut up. So, uh, our little boy, you're not a big boy anymore. You're a little boy. Um, lost my train of thought but as 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 people are dying which you know people die every day like you like you said earlier john it's it's what we liked when we were growing up you know my dad was really really into tri-5 chevys and he's still into tri-5 chevys i mean he liked 32 Fords and, and stuff like that, but that wasn't his, you know, that wasn't his dream cars as he, he is building a 36 Ford right now. Um, but I mean, the, the people just look at the street rod nationals, for example, uh, you know, back in the, in the eighties and the nineties, they would have, 10 to 14,000 pre 48 cars at, at that event. Now it's opened up. They, it kept dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. And they opened it up to a a rolling 30. So if your car is 30 years old, you can go. And the numbers have picked back up. You know, I'm not sure last year if it broke the record, but it was pretty close to breaking the record. So the people are still involved. And and to me, that's what it's ultimately about. It's not about one specific type of car that people are interested in. 
it's it's all types of cars whether it it's it's if you're into hondas hey that's great you're into cars i, I that, that's cool to me if you're into s10s if you're into horseless carriage brass air cars it doesn't matter you're into cars we've got something in common and that's what needs to keep rolling not necessarily one particular you know genre of vehicle and it's changing it's going to change there ain't nothing we can do about it so let me jump in there will because i think you have an interesting thought going there and based on this article which says you know basically are there enough people left to keep in this case the horseless carriage club of america going in the future Rather, I think what you're saying, and and you can jump in on this, I think what you're saying is rather than think of think of it that way, let's you're saying let's stop thinking about it as um, you know, is there are there enough people around to keep the horseless carriage club of America going? Are there enough people around to keep the uh, CCCA, the Classic Car Club of America, going. Is there enough people, or are there enough people around to keep all these different clubs going? And maybe what you're saying is, it maybe it's time to form larger clubs that involve more cars than just specific year ranges. Absolutely. If you don't like your, get club it down to where it's hill. yeah. If you, if you don't like your club going downhill, look at look look around you, see what clubs are 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 successful, see what clubs have the most members. All right, but if if you're so you know strong minded that you know you don't want to open up your club and you want to leave your club the way it is and the rules that that that, that your club has, then you know. Be close-minded and let your club go into the tank. The world changes every day. And if you're not open to change, then that's your own fault. You have to embrace the change. And I've seen a couple of times with car clubs that had shrinking numbers. You know, these are not necessarily national clubs, but smaller local clubs. They have shrinking numbers, and the people participating in the club dwindle, and they are very focused on one nationality or one make or something type car. Absolutely. And what I, what I, what seems to be the anomaly is some of these clubs have went ahead and said, okay, we'll take all, all European cars, or we'll take, okay, instead of being just a challenger club will go ahead and embrace all mopars or not all mopars will embrace all muscle cars so camaro and mustang guys can come join and what the odd thing is camaro and mustang people don't come join but more challenger people do join or more you know italian cars join the club because you know it's the italian group that opened up or you're a Toyota club or a Nissan club and you open up to all Asian automobiles, you don't get a glut of Hyundais. All of a sudden, it seems that that core club gets bigger. And, and it's a risk you have to take. You have to be willing to accept. I'm in the process right now with my new gig of developing a club based around the automobile. We don't care what you drive, who you are, how much money you make. The idea is you could come, you know, pay a couple of bucks a month or a whole bunch of money per year or a whole bunch of money per month, however you want to look at it. And you can come and you can hang out in a, a lounge similar to a cigar lounge or a scotch and whiskey lounge and just relax and hang out with like-minded people and maybe watch, you know, car racing or come, you know, watch you know, we're going to show I've got secured the rights to like the entire chassis media movie catalog and we'll show a car movie once or twice a month, whatever we can really afford and however much I want to work per month. Uh, and the idea is to try to get rid of some of that segregation or whatever you want to call it that car clubs have. We have to remember, yeah, we all like 
Vipers or we all like GTOs or we all like, and that's your group. But the cars, and it's the, it's the old saying, the cars are what brought you together, but you got to remember it's the people. And all car people are pretty much good. Uh, it's just getting over a little bit of the age barrier. And I even fall guilty of it and watching, you know, I'm a member of a couple mini truck uh, Facebook groups and that, and it just drives me batty. It drives me nuts with all these bag trucks that, you know, they all lay frame and they, you know, er, you know, the wheels all tuck up. And that that's something we tried to achieve back in the late 80s, but we had to drive because the car, we didn't have the airbag suspensions and stuff at that time. You could do hydraulics, but nobody was really doing that to trucks. And, you know, to me, there was an achievement of being able to put your frame, you know, an inch, inch and a half off the ground and still be able to function with that truck. Now it's not a big deal with the bags. And I I really like static drops. Uh, but I'm accepting because these people, they do kind of embrace and they do kind of understand static and I understand the practicality. So we all we all have our issues with it. We just all have to be a little bit more open-minded with it. I think Derek has totally gone away. Or did he mute? Are you there, nope. Derek? Nope. Oh. I'm here. I'm listening. His video. I, we were listening to your rant. Well, I saw your little microphone with a hash through it. So, <laughs> what was that? Sorry, <laughs> I have no idea. I think it was Will. No, I just turned my video off because my internet's running a little slow, and I had my microphone muted, so you didn't hear me bad mouthing you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, then. No. Retort. No, I. I have to. I mean, I. I no, I have to. I'm. I was just joking around i have to agree i mean this is the future of any car club or any you know sorry i lost the word i was looking for but any hope of keeping the car culture that you know a lot of people are used to going is for all car people to just come together. And I think this is where things like cars and coffee uh, are doing a good thing because it doesn't matter what you show up in. It's about showing up with your cars, having some coffee, having some donuts, whatever they're doing at the, you know, the particular one that you go to meeting the car people, as John said, that are around there, because that's what you're there for. You're there to hang out with like-minded people. And yes, like-minded people does not mean that, it's your buddy from across town that has, you know, the same exact car that you have and you guys have street rotted it the same or a couple different options that you've done. And you're both in the, you know, Honda Civic club or whatever. No, it's about, Hey, I, I own this Honda Civic that I've, you know, lowered and done this work to and special paint, you know, done a paint job on or whatever you've done and, and just hanging out with other guys that have done that. But it's about meeting the guy that's at cars and coffee or the local car cruise or car show <clears throat> that might have a model T and you start talking to him and guess what? They're hopping up that model T and especially if it's a speedster and doing things that you're going to be able to talk and interact with that person based on that level of interest in cars. You know, even a guy that's taken a Model T back to stock, uh, you know, it's it's still an engine, it's still four wheels, it's still a chassis, and it's still a body with an interior. Really? How many times do we have to ask the class to turn their phones off? That, that wasn't my phone. It wasn't mine. And we're the only ones with iPhones here. <laughs> My wife's phone is linked to our laptop, so oh, okay. Well, all the dinging. Uh, so you're keeping the, an eye on who's calling her. Oh yeah, all the dinging and the pinging is my wife's phone going off. That was actually mm. my youngest daughter calling my wife, who's probably in the bathtub and needs a towel. <laughs> 
Uh, somehow, <laughs> Wait, your wife or your youngest daughter? I'm, I'm going to say somehow I'm familiar with that, but that sounds all wrong talking about your wife and daughter. But similar things <laughs> happen in this household. <laughs> if we remember, you know, I think there is this there is a lot of validity that the car hobby is potentially shrinking. We've had a couple of conversations on this show that we don't believe it's necessarily shrinking as much as it is. No, but, it ain't shrinking. But we have there's we have to I think maybe step back in time a little bit. Ironically to these pre-15 cars or that that era people that had cars at the turn of the the millennia or the turn of the century being going from the 19th to the 20th century, 1800s to 1900s. They all, all car people stuck together. The people who made them kind of fought and argued with each other. and But th- there was still a little bit of, I want to say, camaraderie. And the people that drove them, they all had to work together because, you know, they had these odd things and they had to make this mechanical nightmare function and become ex- uh, acceptable in society. Where now... I think we we might need to be back to that. We now cars are kind of shunned by people, uh, or the majority of the the public. There, are, you know, Will's right. There are a lot of car people out there, but I think when it comes down to it, there we're losing numbers to the general population, and we need to kind of embrace it and make things fun again. And again, that's part of the mission of my new job is to make cars fun for people and enjoy them and teach them that they're not something to be afraid of. Um, They're more than, you know, they can be more than get me to work, get me home type things or a phone booth with 400 horsepower. Um, So, I Well, as far as the car community shrinking, there's no way that the car community is shrinking. I've been going to SEMA for the last 10 years, just about every year. Now, certain parts of the car hobby have shrunk. Absolutely. All right. But the, the truck side of things right now is is got to be the biggest of what's going on four-wheel drive trucks diesel trucks you know that type of thing is 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 huge right now and yeah i mean you can clearly see where the you know back in the early 2000s the import scene was huge and that was what was huge at SEMA and all of that's kind of really cooled off. Don't get me wrong. There's still a lot of really cool imports there, but the trucks have taken over. I mean, used to the, the outside in front of central hall was nothing but hot rods and now it's trucks and, I mean, it, 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 there's more vendors, more cars, more people at SEMA every year. And if these people wasn't into cars, they wouldn't be there. That's the only reason to be there is you are into some sort of automobile, something trucks, cars, doesn't matter. Imports, hot rods, mini trucks jeeps whatever you're into it so there's no way the car community is shrinking the area you like may be shrinking but here we are talking about being don't be so close-minded open your eyes look around you just because it's not your idea don't mean it's bad I did want to pull a little, going off your statement, I wanted to pull some real world numbers of, you know, here we are discussing how the car hobby is shrinking, but, and Will's defending that it isn't, and how SEMA is changing, and of course, 
the SEMA show is going the way the general population is, one out of four families own a pickup truck anymore. So there's technically 25% of the population are in a pickup truck. That's a huge market. But I just pulled up a bar graph or a graph of the U.S. automotive aftermarket. And in 2007, it looks like about $275 million was spent. Uh, in 2018, 300 and, oh, excuse me, did I say million? $275 billion. Uh, in 2018, $392 billion was spent. And they expect that to grow another 40 to $50 billion by 2021, 2022. So the market, people are, the market is growing. Uh, granted, I always argue these things. Sometimes it's inflation that helps these numbers. But I don't think you're going to see a 25% increase in the cost of, you know, your Nerf bars or your lift kits or things like that. I think it's meaning they're actually selling more parts and more people are into it. We're just losing because the population's growing quicker than what, you know, people are. And, you know, and here I am a huge car guy. And, you know, the biggest and most expensive aftermarket things I've done lately uh, are in the last few cars is add a trailer hitch. Uh, just don't, you know, stay busy, don't have time, etc. You know, on the flip side, the, the new vehicle we purchased Zara, you know, is heavily, heavily modified. And that was the appeal to hers, you know, it was different than everything else. And that was the goal when we decided to buy, or she decided to buy a new car. I, I'm so used to trying to make everything group. And Zara's her own person. And she, she decided one day she wanted a new, new sport coupe. And so we went and found a new sport coupe. And she ends up having a lot of individualism with this vehicle. And a lot of interesting conversations that I don't know if she's quite ready for. I was at the ga I pulled into the gas station a few minutes after her the other day, and she really wanted to get out of there because she had to get to work, but somebody really wanted to chat about her car, and I took it over and let her go because I have a flexible schedule now. But I'm just, you know, I'm just saying Will's right. The market's growing. More money's being spent. SEMA's growing every year, just the number of cars. Car, and Derek's right, cars and coffee, caffeine and octane. These new shows that are all-encompassing are, you know, growing and expanding and are taking the country by storm. Um, to be honest, the number of, say, automotive podcasts, you know, we we do really well, and we we're pretty consistently in the top two hundred, hundred and fifty pod, pod, automotive categorized podcast on um, iTunes or in, in Apple Podcasts, excuse me. But there's something like five thousand automotive podcasts, and the fact you know there's five thousand, you know, ten thousand, fifteen thousand, depending on how many co-hosts, etc people that want to get together and talk for half hour, hour, 15 minutes every week about cars. Well, here, here's a little bit of uh, news about SEMA. Sorry to break in. Oh, that, well, and, more, more news, the better news. In, in 1998, SEMA had uh, 500,000, basically 500,000 square feet. All right. In 98, that was the first year they broke 500,000, was 1998. Last year was over a million square feet. So they've, they've doubled. Yeah, they've doubled the size of the show. And it's getting even bigger because the Las Vegas Convention Center, it, it takes every square inch of the Las Vegas Convention Center. All right. And part of the Westgate Hotel. The Las Vegas Convention Center is adding on another, I don't know, three, four, five hundred thousand square feet. And it will occupy that as well. 
So I don't think that's supposed to be done this year, but next year SEMA will probably be 1.4, 1.5 million square feet. Yeah, but we're talking. The numbers you're giving are they total square feet or just indoor square feet? Because not only does SEMA take up every inch of those buildings, I'm, but they I'm take almost sure, every inch of the right. parking lots. I'm pretty sure that is just indoor square feet. So, um, have we kind of? I don't know. We we got a little bit off the 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 core article and got talking more about the car hobby and the collector car hobby, but are we de- debunking again that there are that that this industry isn't shrinking, that there are car people out there and it's just a matter of trying to find them? Or you know, we we've talked in the past that this fifteen sixteen year old car car geeks and the that are out there do it all virtually on the video games and they're racing simulators and then they might eventually grow to have one or two cars or however as they get older and maybe once they're you know even we might have to wait for the 15 16 year olds to become 40 and have some extra income just like we kind of did to be able to buy additional cars um it's are they are car clubs now? You know, we had Tony Watley on a little over a year ago, and he made his, you know, literally first million having a online car club. You know, the LS forums. Was it the LS forums or the LT? I think it was the LS forums. Uh, LS. Yeah, that's where he made his money because forums are huge. Uh, Facebook groups are huge. You know, I belong to a lot of Facebook groups. I don't just don't do forums. I like going, you know, one one place. But a lot of this stuff is online. I mean, we I've got a I belong to a huge kit car group. I belong to a huge, you know, fiberglass car group. Again, the mini trucking group, the CRX group. Um, you know, and I asked the mini truck group. There's there's so many people in in there. And what's funny is it seems a lot of them here are in the southeast. And they're pulling these trucks out from behind barns and things that were, you know, magazine cover trucks and that when I was 18 or 19 years old, you know, 30 years ago. And I was at, tw- I don't know, yeah, 30 years ago. I, I just, I don't hate being so old. And, you know, they're restoring them. And I found that you know, a lot of them are right here and you know oh this guy's only 20 minutes from me and this guy's only 40 minutes from me and this truck was found only you know 15 minutes from me and i asked so do we have a club do we get together no no nobody does we just do everything here on facebook that doesn't quite make sense to me either and i you know it's we need to retrain people that we have to we have to start socializing again <laughs> Yes. Yes. I agree with that. And I really think, yeah, I mean, I think again, it, it comes down to, you know, I guess for lack of a, a better term here, but you know, maybe some of the car clubs, the, the earlier, and it's going to be the early car clubs to start out with, you know, start riding the coattails of some of the bigger clubs like we've just talked about. But I think also it might just be the, you know, Auto Week and some of these different, you know, publications are tending to look at the car clubs that are decreasing in size and starting to struggle and they're not shining maybe they're not shining enough spotlight on the clubs that are being successful right now it's like will said i mean everything has kind of a an ebb and flow to it you know we're we're going to have a changing interests as time goes by you know it, it, will sees it at sema you know it goes from tuners say 15 years ago to you know now it's four-wheel drive trucks and diesel trucks and you know that's that's going to keep changing well 
why don't we shine a spotlight on some of that and say, okay, hey, you know, yeah, 40 years ago, the antique automobile clubs were doing great. They had high numbers. They had great participation. But as things change, as time goes by, another, you know, club or another car interest came about these clubs formed and now they're being successful and i mean it's going to keep changing so i guess in my opinion let's not put so much focus on up oh, that car club's gonna fail someday why don't we say hey look you know the car car hobby is still alive and kicking it's just really happening right now in the four-wheel drive and diesel truck world I think you. I want to say I think you do have a a point there, Derek. And I think I want to say here we are again on no driving gloves, talking in circles. We don't believe the hobby's dying. Uh, you know, all three of us live the hobby. I mean, I you know I used to work at a museum, and we never had a shortage of people walking through the doors. I'm kind of sure it's the same for where Derek's at. Um. Will's Will, I'm assuming you probably have at least one or two or three phone calls every week for a build or an inquiry. Um, this new place we're building out here in Birmingham, it's amazing. You know, we, we have two or three people that stop by every day, people looking in the windows, trying to figure out what's going on. And it's a lot of excitement. Sure, some's curiosity. I don't think I've heard one person say a bad word about this, you know, new venture we're doing. I mean, we're 20 acres, 140,000 square foot building, a heavily trafficked area. And you would think somebody would have an issue with this, you know, major automotive type complex going in place. Haven't really heard any objections to it. Haven't seen anything in the news. The, the neighbors that we thought would object the most are embracing us and helping us out. So, I mean, I think the car, war, you know, we just got to find the right people and maybe the three or four, you know, bad apples in our bunch really have hurt us. I had a conversation about that today and loud exhausts and how, how a for-profit company had made too much noise and ended up hurting a club and, you know, a nonprofit that's trying to, you know, do their thing. You know, we just have to get out there and, you know, act responsibly, do our best and try to put a good face face on us. And maybe we'll get a few more people joining in or becoming more aware of those that are around us. I was uh... all right. So the car hobby's not dead. Some clubs are just losing participants. Other clubs are um, doing really well. The automotive media needs to pay more attention to the part of the hobby that's doing well rather than the part that is suffering. And then maybe, just maybe, the automotive hobby will thrive even more and we'll be able to bring up the clubs that are starting to lose participants and get people more interested in those other vehicles as well. I think your summary's good. The only thing I would add to it, because I always have to add something, is... And that's the show. Ice hockey, we're out of here. No, is the clubs out there, they have to become more accepting. They have to become less rigid, um, especially, and I don't mean to pick on them, especially the older people and the younger people. The younger people have to realize, yeah, we're always a little, we're old people. We're not accepting necessarily as new things, and we resist change. But the old people are going to have to remember we need to embrace change. And once everybody comes together like that and we start getting 
all of these events and groups getting together and just enjoying the car for the car, then I think we'll start going, hey, it's not that, you know, old cars are losing their fans. You know, it's we we're creating the buyers for them or however we want to go. You go ahead and wrap it up, Will, and uh, I'm going to get out of here for the night. It's about hour long point. Just, just remember, don't be closed minded. That's the biggest thing. If you're wanting to grow something and you know, you have to be open minded and, and look at what's going on around you, open your eyes and, you know, definitely not calling anybody out here. This is not triggered at one car club or another. I'm, I'm not a member of any car club. I mean, well, I'll say that I'm a member of some associations, but not necessarily a car club. And one bad apple can spoil the whole bunch. So that's all. That's really all I've got to say. And the, the car industry, the car hobby is growing every single day. It is not going away. So you can support what's growing or support what's dying. It's your call. Good That's night. Check, 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 check out the uh, the new website. Uh, that's all I'm going to tell you to do this week. Maybe go to iTunes and give us a good review, or Apple Podcasts and give us a good review. And uh, we'll be back chatting with you next week, and maybe with some exciting happenings in the no driving gloves world. Good night, everybody. Later. And remember, if you want to take your Zamboni to the car show, go ahead.